Your attention, please. I, I'm very pleased to tell you that I got a call from the uh, South Dakota Country Music Hall of Fame in uh, Lenox, and they asked if uh, we would do a show at the State Fair. We're going to be at the Dakota Land Stage September the September. 2nd. Show starts at 6 o'clock, runs till 7.30. This is the interview podcast from the Y Millbank Podcast Network in Millbank. Today, sunny Millbank, South Dakota. Uh, today, we have another uh, a, a repeat guest uh, in, in, a, in a, a different form. Uh, I'm so excited that uh, Neil Bogus is back in town and decided he'd come in. So we can talk about him today. Now trains will be involved in the mix, but um, we get to see what Neil's about. And uh, I'm excited. Thanks well, for coming back in. It's my pleasure. Thanks for asking me. Uh, I'm up here collecting some of the last things I had here from 99. Wait a second. Moved. Does that mean you're gone, gone? You're out of here? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you digging up the roots? Is that yeah, what you're doing? Yeah. You know, you spent, I, I spent half of my life here. Yeah. And so that never leaves you. And I think that's the great thing about Millbank, South Dakota, is that I felt at home here when I lived here. It was my home. And and I mean that more than just an address. Mm-hmm. You were part of the community. Right. And so I will. But the, the bad part now is when I'm sitting around talking to people, I'm talking about things that happened in 1965. <laughs> You're one of those guys now. Yes, I'm one of those people now. Uh, so. You do still have, uh, your mother is here. Is that correct? She is. Yep. Okay. Yep. And she's in a assisted living facility? She is. She loves it. She's okay. back home. And uh, I come up here. I'm coming up more often because I have more time now. Uh, I'm kind of semi-retired, which means I'm adding more to my workload already. But I took a new <laughs> job this week. so. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, well, okay. So let's, uh, let's go back in time a little bit. Uh, where were you born at? I was born in Webster, South Dakota. Okay. So just, just up the road a bit. Yep. 1950, November 2nd. And uh, as my grandfather told me many times, I was born in the heart of a blizzard. <laughs> and uh, I was born in the Peabody Clinic slash hospital in Webster. But my family lived in Summit at the time. Okay. And my dad worked for the railroad. Can you believe that? Well, that sounds coincidental. Um, uh, when did you move to Millbank? We moved around, I think about 1954, 55. Five, something like that. Uh, my dad worked for the railroad, so they were on a seniority system. So he would, they had what they called bumping. So you could bump into people who had less senior, seniority than you did, and he was a track laborer. <laughs> so uh, we lived in Millbank before he was actually stationed here. I know that he was the section foreman in Clinton and Odessa and in uh, Wilmot for many years, and finally Roadmaster and in Millbank and Aberdeen and all that. So my roots go back mid-50s. Okay. Lots. And then did you, were you here until the 90s when you, was that 99, you say, when you moved to Florida? There's a 10-year gap in there. And in 19... 19- that you can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know you know what they say about the 60s. If you, if you remembered it, you weren't really living it. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, no, my dad was... Uh, promoted to Roadmaster in Aberdeen. And so we moved here uh, from here in 1968. And uh, then my family, my wife and I moved back here in 1979. That's when I was born. Oh my gosh, I'm feeling <laughs> old now, guys. Feeling old. 
it's a it's a wonderful town it really is i got so many memories we were talking about um i was out at and i believe it's called valley view now but it was it was snell's and i was yeah, that's sitting actually around kind of back behind the uh new shopco yes yep. it is and we were sitting around there uh, right after supper the other night and uh I just started chatting with the folks there and the memories they shared of Millbank. I, I, honestly, I thought to myself, wow, I wish I would have recorded Oh, this. man, that would have been great. They were talking history of who owned each building, mm-hmm. and then they would add their own story about something that happened to them in there. Of course, we, we, you know, we moved around to the theater because I'm connected with that mm-hmm. and railroads, but we talked mostly about downtown Millbank, downtown Ortonville. The, the canning factory we talked about that was over there, and, and that is a lost. Nobody really remembers the canning, the Big Stone City canning factory or the POW camp over uh, there. Oh, that's what that. I was thinking, because when you were here last, a few months ago with um, Jerry and Jim, um, wasn't that kind of, we, we it, I think off air we kind of were talking about that, and if people remembered yeah. it. Have you found more details out about that? Yeah, I, I, I don't have it with me, but uh, the camp... Uh, housed mostly uh, prisoners of war from Africa. And they were German soldiers, and they were brought over here. And you're going, wow, they made them all over uh-huh. here. But they spread them out all over because they the soldiers helped with uh, the harvesting of the crops. Really? Yep. And so they would send six over to this farm, four over to this farm, and would send a guard with them, I'm assuming, because otherwise they would disappear. <laughs> right. Um, the comments in the newspaper were actually very, very complimentary towards the German soldiers that they, I mostly heard that they were good workers. Mm -hmm. They didn't cause any troubles or anything like that. There were some escape attempts. I couldn't find any from the Big Stone camp, but from other ones. And it escapes me, but this this was Camp 11 or something. They gave each camp number, and there was a lot of camps in Minnesota. Really? A lot of them, yeah. More than I was surprised. I'll send you that article. That would be fantastic. And is there is there an attempt, do you think, to kind of wash that out of our history? Like that, that piece? And, and is it looked at kind of poorly? I, I don't know. I can't answer that. When, when I came back in 99... <laughs> I, I, I'd always known, for some reason, my family knew that that, that that camp was over there. So I drove over to the Big Stone Canning Factory, which was still functioning. Is that and, kind of back behind Roush Granite right now? Yes, yeah. Okay. And there was the uh, the buildings. They looked like little, you know, uh, the buildings that were in Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> and there was quite a few of them left. And, and at the time, I thought to myself, I wonder why there isn't a plaque or something mm-hmm. marking this. But I think I was the only person that was interested in it, I guess. Right. And I, di- I did drive back there now, and I couldn't find any of the buildings. I think they've all been destroyed and all that. I would have saved one and had, uh, that would have been my, and I won't say I would have, but I would have liked to have saved one or at least have a plaque mm-hmm. on it or something like that. Fascinating part of our time. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what to believe in the papers or not, so I'll send it to you. But there was a lot of talk of how the... Uh, the gals would go out there and watch the German boys walking around with their shirts kidding? off as they're hay, hay bailing <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Newspapers were different. There was a lot more commentary in newspapers mm-hmm. in the actual stories than there was uh, than there is nowadays. Okay. Um, so it, it was actual, like, well, would that have been the 40s? Yes. So how much... Um, 
Well, there, there wasn't a, there was no visual, very little visual. And so, and radio, would there have been much radio talk about that? Or was this more like that was, they needed that narration of the day-to-day events? I can't answer that part. What's the matter? I, you weren't here then? Know. No, I wasn't. <laughs> but I do know one of the rules was that you were not to take pictures. But there are pictures. Really? Uh, I read in the story, it said, please do not take pictures. But then there were store, then there were pictures of German soldiers uh, out there. Prison- I shouldn't say they're soldiers, prisoners of war. Mm. Uh, out there harvesting and and uh, shocking hay or whatever you do, you know, I can't even think of the terms of throwing hay bales around yeah. and what have you. So then, in theory, these were just we just grabbed Germans, like in retaliation for the war. Well, they, no, no, they, these were actual prisoners of war for when the Germans the Germans took over a major part of Africa, mm-hmm. northern okay, Africa, right. and so when the British went in and and uh, the United States troops went in. They would. These are the guys that surrendered and were captured. Gotcha. And then they were shipped out here um, to work in the fields. How about that? Yeah, it is cool <laughs> when you think about it. It really that, is. Yeah. And and what I love about stuff like this is that it sounds like it's a long way when you're in the classroom mm-hmm. and the teacher's talking about North Africa and the war over there, and you realize then that the German troops, the prisoners of war, some of them were over here in Big Stone City. It brings it really close to home. <laughs> it's right across the South yeah. Dakota line. You know, you go, wow, this so is cool. Do you think there was any uh, intermingling at all? I mean, obviously that'd be off the record, but do I you don't think, know. I mean, is there, I guess, how could you find out? I don't know. The story did say, that there was a comment in there about how the gals were out there watching the German soldiers uh, who did not have shirts on uh, <laughs> doing farm work. So, <laughs> I, I, so I guess you could. Yeah, I don't think there was any out. intermingling, but I do know that there, I've read some other cases where after the war, uh, they would go back to Germany and some did come back to this area because German language, I mean, most of us are German heritage mm-hmm. or Norwegian heritage. I'm half and three quarters one and half of the other, you know, all that type of stuff. Um, very fascinating, hmm. fascinating period of time. Yeah. When I moved to Aberdeen, um, I was amazed up there, and, and somebody listening to this can go, yeah, I, I understand what you're talking about. But if you went up to the Long Lake and Leola area, mm-hmm. the churches up there were German Lutheran, and the services were still in German, and I'm talking the early 1970s. So, you know, it's very, very interesting. Very interesting time. And there might be something in the book. Because <laughs> I just, uh, I have sitting here on the desk, uh, 100 years in Grant County. Yep to 1878 or 1878 to 1978 and these are this is like stories of families throughout the years and so i need to dig into this and see if there's either in that book or in a newspaper i used to spend a lot of time before i had kids Mm -hmm. i'd go to the library there is actually one of the newspapers are in this book and i can't remember where and i apologize where they talk about the last buffalo hunt in grant county and they they saw three or five three to five buffalo walking around somewhere. I'm I'm guessing up in the uh, Stockholm Strandberg area, and they talked about how the uh, settlers immediately got up and went out and shot the last five buffalo <laughs> <laughs> in Grant County. Wow, uh, it's it's just kind of really fascinating, mm-hmm. really is. And I'm not trying to put a a, a a a some sort of a colorization on our ancestors. Everything has to be understood in in the time frame that it was, right? Yeah, 
and we've lost that in some aspects. There's a picture of the first national bank uh, branch in Millbank, which is the corner building, just two doors yep. down from where we are here. And of course, and the right th- across the street is the Commerce Bank. Yeah, but the where the Chateau Theater was, which currently sits a chiropractor office. Yep. There was nothing in this picture, so this would have been in. Man, I don't know when the picture was taken, um, but our building is is standing, and there's a sign, and you can tell we're in 2018, and that we are conditioned to have digital devices because I just want to pinch and zoom the picture <laughs> on the page to look at it, but I I can't read the sign. There's a big sign hanging off the wall, and I, can't, I don't know what it says. Is it what 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 year was the picture? I don't know. It's not. Uh, it. Yeah, you 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 might know. I'm like you, though. I would like to blow it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess, I, I mean, the picture came from somewhere, so I'm sure we could figure out who. Oh, wow. Where I find that. But I've, I've not seen that picture before. I was never in the Chateau Theater, but I was talking to Rob and Jolie Hicks the other day mm-hmm. about the... And, and, now and they're, off... they're the current owners of the Mill Theater right yep. now. Yep. And Jolie showed me that there was actually been quite a few theaters in town. And I didn't know that. But one is called the I was called the Ideal Theater, and they did ah. But was it? Well, I, yeah, we don't, <laughs> Where she has advertising for it. really? Yeah, and I don't remember, but it was down close to the railroad tracks in that block there. And but this has been a, near the uh, like around the the hotel. The well, Hubert. you know, you're right because the hotel mm-hmm. was the center of attraction, the yeah. Saint Hubert Hotel, and so there was the Ideal. They only showed non talkies. And then there was the Bentley Grand, which is down by where Lewis Drug is now. And that was a theater upstairs, the Bentley Grand Theater. And also the um, Opera House was in that area. Is that in the Mason building that's still standing? No, it's or is next that block, gone? Next block. Yeah, where Lewis Drug oh. was, that, that oh. whole block, when it, that was the St. Hubert Hotel, yeah, the Bentley Grand Theater. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody's talked to you much about the St. Hubert, but St. Hubert had uh, a ballroom in it. I've heard, and a uh, big grand staircase. Yep. Oh, it was, it was incredible. I mean, as a kid growing up in here, you'd walk in there, and of course, it looked like it, you were walking the Taj Mahal. Mm-hmm. It, my barber happened to be in there, and uh, <laughs> the uh, there was a restaurant down in there. Everything got old, and they just tore it down. You know, you can say, well. So there they... wasn't a disaster or anything. It just, they, the upkeep, yep. no one wanted to do it. Do you think it could have been saved? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Or was Milbank going down at that point and so there wasn't because was that in the 70s that that got raised and then the um the levy drug building at the time got built yeah i i left here at (laughs) 68 my family moved to aberdeen Mm -hmm. so it happened between 1968 and 1979 oh so you were gone so we can directly blame you yeah probably perfect (laughs) (laughs) i worked at bill super value and we delivered groceries into there because there was towards the end there was mostly people you know living upstairs Mm -hmm. In apartments and then the railroad used it as their railroad hotel right up until it was gone the trains used to tie up right downtown here so if you uh, like what we would call in the railroad business the they would work the Sisseton line and they would run the train up run it back and then park the train here overnight before they took it either to okay. Aberdeen or to Mount Video. and that's where they would stay yeah they would stay in there neat and then the Chateau came along and then the DeFays built the DeFay Theater across the Because they the had both at one point, right? Or so someone owned both of them at the same time? They did. Okay. They did. And then they tore down the Chateau for, do we know why? 
Don't know, but that went in the sixty one in that eleven year gap that I wasn't here. Man, a lot of stuff happened when you're gone. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm making notes. Neil's fault. It's my fault. <laughs> um, they did operate both for a while. They operated mm-hmm. the the Fay Theater and the Chateau. I was never in it, but I can tell you from what people told me, inside was a Spanish motif with fake balconies, and when the lights went down, the stars came out in the sky. So it was, it, it was, was a showpiece, as we would say, fancy dancing wow. at the time. Really neat. Uh, such a shame that these things aren't here anymore. Yep. Now I'm going to, I just happened to be glancing through, and August 5th of this year is the 70th birthday of the original DeFay Theater across the street, which is now the Mill Theaters. Really? Yep. 70 years. Pretty cool. That is cool. No, it's possible. I mean, I, I've been here 10 years now. This is my 10th year in South Dakota. Um, it's possible that some of the decor in there is from the original. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Just for, you know, being a total outsider. Absolutely. And coming in. You know, th- there is that whole thing that it's, um, it's that, it really feels uber small town. Yep. And, you know, p- part of me wishes that that could be updated and fixed and, you know, let's, like, redo the entry and all that. I mean, I'm not in charge, so I don't have any yep. there, but... It sure would be another piece because when we first moved here, <laughs> um, the running joke was that you would go, you have to go to the movie at least once in Millbank. And it kind of when I first met my wife too in 2003, 2004, um, in her family, that was kind of the running joke that you got to go there because um, the movie probably isn't synced up with the screen, the audio may not be on, or maybe they just forget to turn it on. Oh, wow. And you know, so it was hilarious because that was the thing. And it kind of made for fun banter in the family right. and when friends would come. Because we, you got to go to the movie because it's, it's an experience. Yeah. Who cares what the movie is? Yeah. And now they've got all digital yeah. stuff in there. Which, I mean, that's a huge yeah. upgrade that they made. I will take responsibility for uh, the person that cut the theater up, so to speak. Because when we bought it in 79... It uh, the balcony was intact and the floor was intact too. So there you, you're going. There was a balcony. balcony. Yes, it was one big theater, and it seated 600 plus. Because that that is a double sized uh, lot on Main it Street. Is. So that's 50 wide. It's a 50 foot wide. Well, well, and when I took it over, I quickly found out because times had changed mm-hmm. that you couldn't run one movie all week long. There were so many movies. You you know you could only run four. Mm-hmm. the entire week right. or the entire month excuse me so I put the wall down the middle and twinned it and then six years later I put that added back theater. the back theater which I still think probably was my biggest mistake uh, in making thir- three or um, cutting it at all no I, 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 I in order to survive I had to have at least two movies in there mm-hmm. but we owned the drive-in where was this the drive-in is uh Oh, boy, how do you explain it? Um, well, you know where the Lantern Motel is yep. and the Lantern Inn. It was on the corner. Um, there was an imp- where the implement dealer burned down. Oh. Where all the trucks are parked and everything. Yep. That was the drive-in theater. <laughs> and that was called the Chateau Drive-In Theater. They transferred the name from downtown out to there. Oh. And when I took over, uh, we changed it to the Starview Drive-In Theater. And Jenny and I operated that for 10 years. And when I closed that, then I got the idea, well, I'll add the third screen mm-hmm. in Millbank. 
And it was the best thing I ever did, but I didn't think it was a very good place to watch movies, to be honest with you, because <laughs> the floor was flat right. and, and all that. But it was not uncommon. I mean, it really boosted business tremendously because mm-hmm. we had three different movies. And Running at the same it, time. And, yeah, and it gave people an opportunity to choose from three different things. I was right. always able to keep some, at least one family-orientated film in here, mm-hmm. and if something was doing good, it would stay here forever. I think uh, I played... Uh, Gosh, I think Titanic played here three months. That's how popular that can, was. Can you do that? You can keep it now, as long it's, as you it, want. It's up to you. They just take percentage of whatever your ticket sales are. Yep, pretty much so. Oh. Uh, when I opened Titanic, I knew I wouldn't make any money, but uh, because they took 90% the company wow. did. And they, they did that for the first month, 90%. So what I got was the concessions. <laughs> And uh, it's still pretty much that way. The mm-hmm. film companies take all of the the money, and uh, the only place you can make money is on the concessions. And they can't take any of that. They've tried over the years to really? write that into contracts, but it's been the big film companies say, or theater companies mm-hmm. say, no way. Right. Well, that's the only way they can survive. There's, really. there's so yeah. many. We, we need to do a whole show sometime <laughs> about just the changes I saw in the movie business in the uh, 20 years we operated the theater here. Because... It was it was a fascinating business. Were you at all in it when they when the the thought of moving to digital output was there, or is that all after you were done? No, uh, I saw it coming, mm-hmm. and I didn't know if I could. How do I say this? Sustain the cost, right? Because the projector is fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and uh, the projectors I was using uh, they were from the nineteen thirties. <laughs> And they still work. Put a like big bulb in them. Yeah. How big? A, how hot of a bulb? I started was out with what better way to say it would be a welder's arc, and so it was all it was fire in there inside the lamp house. What really? Called. And then later we changed over to the light bulb. But when I started out, we still had the reels where you would, uh, you'd have a projectionist up there, and you had mm-hmm. two projectors, and you would change reels as you'd go, and there'd be a little dot up in the screen. You'd see it, and that would be your cue to hit the machine and then when it, the second dot came off you'd pull the shutter and you'd and and it just it, flipped over and was it pretty seamless or did, was there a, a, a black spot that um, happened once in a while <laughs> depend upon who was running it and, yeah. and if they went downstairs to go to the bathroom at the wrong time you know <laughs> uh they were very inconsistent uh, because the flame off of the welder's arc uh would flicker sometimes and all that so uh when i went to bulbs it was much Better, much yeah, better. consistent output the whole and time. And you didn't have somebody up there hoping they wouldn't get burned up. <laughs> and it did happen in places. Um, the old rumor, and I could never confirm it, but I, I bought the Orpheum Theater over Nortonville. And the, uh, they had always told me that somebody had been uh, killed by smoke inhalation up in the projection booth. Mm-hmm. Because the doors are designed that if there was a fire, they were held by strong ropes. And if they burned off, then you were stuck in there and these no doors way oh yeah 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 that so, was to, to try to isolate the fire to isolate yeah. hoping no one's in there <laughs> yeah i never had any fires in there at all uh but the bulbs were very expensive and i'm sure now that i i, I bet they're very expensive now mm-hmm. well most of those big projectors have four bulbs in them yeah like i know in the like the live production world um they make big monster machines like that and they'll have four or like even eight bulbs Right. And most of those are times three hundred dollars per. So yep. you change the bulb. Yep. 
It's not cheap. The drive-in also was... Uh, oh, how did that run? Carbon arc. Oh, you had the two sticks, and it was just two welder's arcs going to, going at it there. And then that created your light, and then was there were there lenses there? Big mirror. Oh, okay. Big mirror behind it, shined through the lens onto the screen. And, of course, you can imagine that we, we, they had a huge drive-in theater screen here. I'm, I'm guessing it was probably 80 feet wide by 40 feet long. And uh, when when CinemaScope came out, the, the phase added onto the screen. So it was huge. <laughs> but huge screen also meant uh, um, much brighter light. Yeah. And it was it was awesome. It was all. I have pictures. We had the screen painted and all. I'll have to send you these. That would uh, be fantastic. It, it's, I was a picture nut. I took pictures of everything. And now it's kind of fun to be able to mm-hmm. go through and go, oh, I did take a picture <laughs> <Right>. of that. <laughs> Some, uh, sometimes they go, why did I take a picture of so that? So with that, I'm just going back to that fire because that's fascinating. Um, with the arc, if you're real stuck, would it just melt the the film? Right well, now. Be, so the, the fact that it was moving through kept it from melting. Yep. That was the neatest thing to see on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> when it burned up? <laughs> because the proje- it would get stuck in the middle of the frame, you know, yeah. or whatever. And you could have, like, just your picture burn, there, yeah. it, it would burn from the middle. And it goes, just like you see it. It was cool. <laughs> it was cool. So in, the, in, the, in that event, what happened? Because, I mean, you, you essentially lease the reel. Is that right? From yep. the, the production company? Yep. What did they do? Nothing. Or was that built into your, you just splice it together? And <laughs> I, well, I didn't drop call them frame? and tell them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, be, because uh, I think there's 24 frames a second mm-hmm. going through the projector. You could lose mm-hmm. a lot. And not really notice no, it. No. Okay. I would notice it because maybe I saw the movie. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story, and then I suppose you want, you want to get back to it. <laughs> I had the Karate Kid, the very first Karate Kid movie mm-hmm. here. And the, the movie got here late, and I had never seen it. We were opening it day and date, we called it, with Minneapolis. Yeah. And so we had these flat projectors where the reels would go on the platter. And I was putting it on, and I went downstairs and forgot that I had put left the reel running. And when I'm saying it's running, I mean she is running faster than a 78 record, if you remember the old ones. And we had all the karate class here. So we did the karate thing outside where I, I was the guinea pig to <laughs> put a fake cigarette in my mouth, and yeah. they would kick it out of my <laughs> mouth. You know, Great show. I went up, sold it out, went upstairs to start a movie, and it had wrapped around itself. And there was uh, the pyramid of all pyramids, oh, a cone about on top of the machine about two feet tall, and it was so tight. The machine had actually stopped, be- and, and the film like broke. bound up? Yep, so we went back downstairs. I mean, it was, I just went down there, and I go, give the money back. There's no way. So we gave back, we had sold out both shows. So we gave back, I don't know how much money. I spent all night, and the only way I could get it apart is I took a utility knife, and I started from the top of the cone, and I just sliced the film all the way down. You couldn't unwind it? Couldn't. It was so tight, you couldn't believe it. And so myself, and I don't even remember who else was there. I'm sure we called many, many people up to help us. I think, I think Jim Worry might have been out there, too, to help <laughs> us, too. And maybe Jerry. None of us had seen the movie, so we looked on the small frame and we made piles all around the projection booth trying to hook all of this stuff together to a movie we'd never seen. 
I worked all night long. There's no like markings or numbers on these frames. It would be like no. It would be like your picture Uh twenty four times before the 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 expression would change. We got it done, and I don't know how. I mean, there must have been a hundred and fifty splices in that thing, you know, (laughs) in a in a thirty minute span. Wow. We got most of it correct. I was surprised. Now, if you had never seen the original movie, it was perfect. (laughs) Didn't know that one scene was out of place. But uh, I was pretty proud of us. I didn't tell the film company. I'm oh, telling man. you, I just sent it to the next poor guy, and I thought <laughs> he's going to wonder, wow. But the machines were so rugged. I'll give them credit. They were so rugged that splice after splice after splice could go through it, and you'd just see a little jump on the screen. So was it just a tape product? The, there was a, the, or had, or did it like weld it somehow together? Uh, no, there was plastic cement. Okay or a cement mm-hmm. that we used. And sometimes when it was really tough, in the wintertime I had time trouble getting the cement to stick together. So I would do that and I would take scotch tape and actually scotch tape the frame together with it. Wow. But it so worked. Did it butt up or did you actually overlap it? It had to overlap just enough. one notch. <laughs> oh, one, oh, in, one, in the, in one, the, the one, holes sp- on the edge. Yep, one sprocket. Okay. And you had to get it perfect, otherwise the sprocket would be off. The, the frame would be off. So sometimes I would do this, and uh, I would miss a frame. That was the most amazing thing, I think, with, with the Karate Kid movie, is that I didn't miss anything because I was so upset that I'd given back <laughs> 300 seats <laughs> right, <laughs> in money, you know. Um, just fun things. It was, it was, wow. it was a neat. Um, that, you had that for about 20 years? Yep. When did you uh, get out of the theater biz? August 1st, 1999. Okay. And is that when you guys um, ran to the warm country? Yep. <laughs> or drove, whatever. Yep. Went to Florida. Had uh, went down there three times to Disneyland, the Disney World, excuse me. You mean prior to this? Prior to moving mm-hmm. down there. And the last time we were there, it, it is no secret in Milbank that I hate winter. <laughs> There's Bless your heart, the, all you that love winter, I hate winter. My mom always said to me, you are the coldest person I've ever seen. And it's true. I, she, she told me once, she says, you take your jacket off on July 3rd and you put it back on on July 5th. <laughs> and so we'd been down there many times. And uh, I took, the last time I was there, I told my wife, I said, you know, I think I can do this. She said, what? I said, I bet you I can be a Jungle Cruise skipper. And I came back and we sold everything. And we had. Did you, did you already have a job down there? Or yeah, did, okay. with Disney. Really? Mm-hmm. So you were the guy on their uh, on their boat? I did the Jungle Cruise. See, we, I, I grew up on the West Coast, so I grew up going to Disneyland yeah. in California. Yeah. Same thing. It is the same thing. A little oh, longer. That's fa- a little that's longer. a fantastic job. I, I, I love it. Do you do it. that now? Nope. No. Uh, <laughs> it's sort of a strange story and sort of isn't. Um, I stayed at the Jungle Cruise for a year, and then I... I got tired of it. It was so hot down there. I lost a lot of weight. I, I mean, I was probably in the best shape I had. So then I moved over and I was a fake doctor at Epcot in, in interventions. I was actually the radio, radiological society of North America. I was a radiologist and I was doing MRIs for Disney before there were MRI machines, even out in the public. That's how far ahead we were. It was a great job. At one time I was, it was all spiel. I mean, you memorized it, all this stuff, and you dressed 
like radiologists. In well, was costume. this like a, a, a stage show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except you'd come in and you'd see the machine. You'd, okay. We'd actually take you in and all that. Um, I'm an entertainer, so I ate this stuff up. I, you know, and uh, one day I had a guy come into me and he said, may I ask you a question, sir? And I go, sure. And he goes, um, where did you go to school to learn all of this? <laughs> like I, the doctor stuff? <laughs> yeah. And I turned to him and I said, well, uh, you do know I'm fake, right? I said, this is just a spiel. And he goes, no, really? I said, yeah. Well, you make it seem so real. Success. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, well, it's real to me because I'm playing uh -huh. a part. And I said, why? Why, why, why did you want to know? And he says, I was going to offer you a job. No says, way. <laughs> we are looking for somebody in radiology here. And I told him, I said, what does it pay? And he said, well, we would have paid your expenses and start you out like at a hundred grand. Oh. And I'm going, I'll be seeing you in a minute. Let me go back to school. <laughs> it's a true story. Wow. It was, And the last thing I did is I, I did uh, uh, marketing for Disney at uh, Hollywood Studios. And then I fell in love with trains again and left. What did that entail, the marketing? I wrote the uh, a little of everything. Uh, I worked the cash registers, learned how to do that, and then I started uh, writing uh, guidebooks for them on how to market different rides and things like that. Oh, and I wrote the safety manuals for them for uh, the Jungle Cruise. I wrote the Jungle Cruise safety manual. I I took part in when you when you sign on with Disney you sign away your rights to any ideas. Anything you have involving their park is theirs. Uh -huh. uh, the, the interesting part of the story is, is that I was asked to write the uh, book for uh, the safety in the queue at the Jungle Cruise and uh, did all that. You won't see my name in it anywhere. So years, skip ahead years later, my daughter is working for Disney she knew I worked for Disney. We never talked about what I do. And I asked her, I said, what do you do for Disney? And she said, well, you know, Dad, I'm a writer. And I, I assumed she was writing scripts. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, what kind of things are you writing? She said, I'm writing manuals, like safety <laughs> manuals and stuff. And I looked at her and I said, you do know that that's what I did. I wrote the safety manual for the Jungle Cruise. And she didn't. She said, you did? And then, that, then she went back and she said, after I read it, she said, it did sound like you were talking <laughs> That's to me. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's just strange. I loved, wow. I loved it working at Disney. It was one of my favorite spots. Uh, no no pressure, no stress. It's a fabulous place. Um, they just opened up Toy Story Land. Uh, next year opens up Star Wars Land. You will actually wow. be inside the Millennium Falcon. And, really? And ride. It's going to be incredible. I haven't been to Toy Story Land, but my daughter went last week and said it's the movie reincarnated. That's crazy. You feel like you're part of the toys. Um, the other thing we haven't really discussed much uh, is <laughs> your musical uh, <clears throat> career. When did this begin? It started here in Millbank. Okay. It started in Millbank. Always had an interest in guitars, mm -hmm. both my brother and I. And in 1963, a group appeared on the Ed Sullivan Show. And just like everybody else, we fell in love with their music. They were called the Beatles. <laughs> were you a screamer? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like the music. The girls like the hair. So Interesting. <laughs> my brother and I started basically playing out 
on the Beatles stuff. Now, I didn't even see them on TV the first time because I didn't know who the Beatles were. Mm-hmm. But after they made this big splash, then I listened to the music and I go, hey, this is pretty cool. So my brother and I picked up guitars and uh, then a movie came along and, and under my mom's influence, I'll give her the credit or for, for this, um, she introduced me to uh, what would be called country and Western music now. Okay. Uh, back in those days, excuse me, it was called country and Western. But I, I she introduced me to uh, the love songs, the sad songs, the happy songs, the Hank Williams songs, all the old people, real old people music now. <laughs> and uh, we started out that way. We, My mom entered us. We went and played the, over at the radio station, KWAT, in Watertown, had what they called the talent with a heart. And it was always on Heart Sunday, and you played for donations. Okay. So, so she booked us in. She was our booker. She put us in there. I played the Kiwanis Clubs meetings, the Lions Club, and everything. She entered us into the Snow Queen contest. They had the, I think you still have the Snow Queen contest yeah. here. Yep. They used to have a talent contest with it. And she entered uh, us into that. They had senior division and junior division. And we won. We won the first year we were in it. And then all of a sudden things really started happening. We uh, did some TV shows over at KCMT. I got our own radio show on KDIO for two years. We were on every Sunday with a live show. Where? In studio or did you in, have it set up somewhere? In the studio. There, there used to be the Little Red School house out here. Yeah. Uh, we did it live from there with uh, a name, most people, uh, Don Eggert. And Bruce Hagevic was our announcer at the time. He later went on to WCCO and spent years there as their okay. primary news guy. So uh, we played all over Millbank area. We won the contest in 67, 65, 66, and 67. <laughs> we won the contest. In 1967, we represented Millbank at the Snow Queen in Aberdeen. Really? And we didn't win there. We were much disappointed. No. <laughs> uh, Captain Eleven was our was the announcer there. And the ne- and in 1968, my dad was promoted to Roadmaster, so we moved up there, and we actually started our music career there. And uh, we, f- we still played Beatles. We still played some of the old 50s stuff, uh, a lot of the old 50s stuff. But what we found out was that we made more money when we were playing country western and playing some polkas oh. and shottishes and, and stuff like that. And they paid us really, really good for, for those early days. Uh, if you look it up, you'll see that probably the minimum wage was a dollar, a dollar and a quarter, something like that. Mm-hmm. And they paid us $15 a night per person. Wow. For three and a half hours work. Why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> so we did that. And I had a lot of friends that were playing uh, rock and roll. That they played once a week. <laughs> and as a country band... <laughs> We played six nights a week, so I said, I, I'll play $15 a night every night. Wow. And from there, it just it branched out and branched out. Uh, we started playing, backing up some of the big stars because there was no other country band that, that would back them up, I guess, but we got hired to do it. And uh, the early days, we played some of, with some of the people. They're, they're all passed away now, but uh, the first, oh, i got to tell you this story. If you don't mind, I'll just no, wrap go ahead. and you can interrupt me whenever. <laughs> 1969, we're up in Aberdeen. We had just formed our first band up there, and uh, Hank Williams Jr. came to town. To Aberdeen. To, to Aberdeen to do a concert. And the things have changed nowadays. 
And folks, this is a true story. I have never told these stories in Millbank. I was on the air for almost 15 years and never once, nobody asked me about my other life. <laughs> my mom saw, said, you know what? I'm going to call Hank Williams Jr. up at the Holiday Inn because I'm we saw I saw his bus out there and I'm going to ask him if you guys can perform on his show. I go, fine, go ahead. She called the uh, hotel. She said, ah, motel, I want to speak to Hank Williams Jr. And they put her right through. Now, Hank and I are about the same age. Okay. She says, I want my sons to play on your show tonight. And he said, okay. Are you kidding? <laughs> no problem, ma'am. <laughs> Have them come down to the bus and, and talk to Lamar, and we'll get you on the show. I go, okay. <laughs> so here's two kids who, uh, uh, I don't think we back, we had, we knew who Hank Williams Jr. was because mm-hmm. he was really hot at the time and later went on to even bigger things. So we get down there, we were treated like I've never seen anybody treated. We were so, so nice. We get up and there was quite a few people on the stage there with us. Uh, a lot of the old stars he traveled with, Stonewall Jackson and names that you probably would never have heard of, but other people would. And uh, we walked over to Lamar Morris and talked to him. And I, he said, well, what song do you guys want to do? Really a nice guy. And he was Hank's bank band guy. I don't know if he plays with him now anymore, but he did at the time. And I told him the name of the song. And he said, to show you how green Tarrant, my brother and I were, we, I knew the words to the song and I knew who was singing it. And he turned to me and he said, you do know that that's the number one song right now in the United States, right? And I said, no, I didn't know that. And he okay. says, it is. <clears throat> I said, well, what do you guys want to do? And he, he said, we can play it. He says, but you start it off. You just start singing and we'll catch you. What key do you want it in? I said, key a D. And they played by numbers. Mm-hmm. Everybody in Nashville plays by numbers. Mm-hmm. So I, he's, you know, it's number six guys, you know. <laughs> so I walked up there. There was probably about 7,000 people in the arena to see Hank Williams Jr. It was packed. There were a couple of promoters in there too, Mm -hmm. not that I knew about. I walked up there, looked around, and I didn't freeze or anything, and I started singing. We don't smoke marijuana in Muskogee. It was Oki from Muskogee. The place went nuts. It went crazy. For two young kids, I was 18, my brother was 16, Standing up there, that gave us the bug right there. We started the band, and that band stayed together. We will be celebrating our 50th anniversary next year. Really? hmm And from there, we went, uh, we would get calls from uh, the, the two promoters that were there. They hired us for later shows down. We toured all over uh, the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I played with, uh, we opened shows for, my one of my favorite ones that we opened for was Tennessee Ernie Ford, and I know you're going, who in the world is that? But he had his own TV show and everything, and that was at in Mitchell where we were at. Wow! And then from there we just went on these tours and back. We would be the opening act, and then some of them we would play background music for them, uh, back them up, whatever you'd say. It was great. And you're not done with that. Uh, I, I if you dig about on your Facebook page <laughs> in May, you were playing at the Opry in I, Florida. Yes, I. What was this? I play at the uh, Orange Blossom Opry in Weirsdale, Florida. Mm-hmm. 
You say Weirsdale? Weirsdale. <laughs> <laughs> in Weirsdale. Yeah. It is It is an incredible place, um, and I'm so honored to be there. I, I play two or three times a month. Okay. And uh, Is it just like a, a, a standing event that you have or yeah they'll call me when they need need somebody and they'll say can you come on over and perform and i'll go over there very graciously i the first time i did it i had not played in years other than with the whole band Mm -hmm. and they have their own house band who have made gazillions of records and appeared with every i mean everybody from garth brooks to uh the the bass uh the steel guitar player bobby randall i spent uh 11 years with uh, sawyer brown and from there, he went to the Confederate Railroad. Wow. And he and I are good friends, and he's a, really a nice guy. Um, so I'm sitting back there, and I told them the songs. They just want to know the songs, and there's no practicing or anything like that the first time. And they, you tell them the keys. And so I walked up there, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what, what, what is this band going to know? <laughs> you wouldn't think I would be nervous. I mean, I've done this 100 million times. The place sells out every time. I mean, there's like 650 people in there. Is it an array of artists every they time? They do everything. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they bring in all the stars you can think of. Uh, in October, they're doing uh, Journey, tributes to Fleetwood Mac, all of that. They they even have uh, comedians, comedy shows. Okay. Uh, all of the country stars are there, all of the rock and roll, old-time rock, Gary Lewis and the Playboys, they all play the Orange Blossom Opry, Opry in Weirsdale. That's mm-hmm. why I'm so grateful to be there. So I'm sitting backstage in what they would call the green room, and one of the guys said, you'll be all right. Don't worry about it. I said, feel my hands. And when I'm nervous, my hands are like I just stuck them into a freezer. And I'm thinking, I got to play guitar. What am I going to do? But it's interesting. You're sitting there, and they announced me. And by the time I got on the stage, it had all disappeared. And then my alter ego comes out. Mm-hmm. You know, my, the entertainment entertain yeah. comes. And it was like I'd never left. And so I got done, and, and uh, the people that run it said, would you, would you like to come back again? And I said, you better believe it. And they've been gracious enough to open the stage up for me. And That's so I awesome. play there, and I also play uh, for the railroad that I manage, and I play on their trains. So I've got a, I got a pretty good gig going on this thing here. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't pay anything, <laughs> but I don't care at this stage. Yeah. I, I just haven't. I'm, I'm reliving awesome. everything. So when I talked to Neil yesterday, I said, hey, come play your guitar. But of course he said, oh, I didn't bring one with me. I did. So. Now that's on the train. Right? Yeah, the, this, is, this is video on uh, from May 26th um, uh, on the, and what is this train? This is, uh, I was playing on the barbecue train and it runs out of Tavares, Florida. So do they, it's catered? Do they get yes. food before, or once you it's take catered. off, you bring it on? Yep, it's catered. Cool. But we are in the process of converting the dining cars back to having full kitchen, and then everything will be cooked on it. And oh, this this is kind of what I've done the last 19 years when we moved to Florida. I got involved. I, I left Disney to get back into railroading, mm-hmm. and I've operated dinner trains, uh, pizza trains, you name it, trains. We used to take people uh, down to the Orlando Magic basketball games. Okay. And uh, the Predators, which was the indoor arena football, mm-hmm. uh, I, I love. I have many, many loves. Uh, I wish I could pick <laughs> one sometime. Yeah. But I, I really enjoy performing, and that's kind of where I'm going next.
Awesome. So that you uh <laughs> gonna take off there. So yeah. <laughs> voice voiceover, let's do it. <laughs> oh yeah. You, you can do it from the uh from the 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 safety of your garage. I I, I just <laughs> I I've been I'm still doing some commercials, mm-hmm. and I had a guy that uh, his name is Aziz, and I for, uh, Aziz I'm sorry, but he's out filming a movie right now with Mickey Rourke. Is he uh, is he a com- a comic? He's a producer. Oh okay. And so it's uh, not Aziz Ansari. Yeah, no, cool. okay, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> that would be cool. Um, He's he's from uh, Morocco, really nice guy, and mm-hmm. he's he he was born here in the United States, but his relatives are from Morocco and all that. And he was telling me, he said, Neil, he said, uh, with all I goof around a lot, and he says, with all the characters you do, mm-hmm. you you need to do voiceovers. And I said, well, gosh, I said I'm 67 years old, and he says, so what? Mel Blanc was 89 yeah. and still doing it. So <laughs> he actually did. Get, it's funny you'd ask. He gave me the name of the guy to really? call, and he said, why don't you do that? And uh, so I'm going to call. You know, what well, you should, because I was actually just listening the other day to a guy who I grew up listening to on the radio um, as just a morning DJ mm-hmm. uh, on a Christian radio in Oregon. And so uh, and I, I knew that 10 or 12 years ago, he uh, he quit radio and went full-time voiceover. And now, you know, I you never see him because he's out there. But every now and then on some radio station, I'll hear, it's like, that's Dave. It's got to be. Yep. And it is. And I just saw a thing... Um, a, little inter- a podcast interview with him with um, the the YouTube duo Red and Link, Good Mythical Morning. They found him because he voiced over part of a game. They thought so. It was a weird uh, six month journey to get together, and it was really a fun conversation they had. Um, but he is he's got a, a a booth in his garage. He lives up That's in Oregon. Where he does it from? And basically, he said you just audition. You get on there, and, and companies put up their script and what their requirements are. You audition. They want it. Good. If not. Move on. And he loves it because he can be flexible. They homeschool their and children. And the script is right in front of you. Yeah. It's not like you have to. I, I have always had trouble memorizing songs. Oh, totally, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I used to write the the lyrics on my arms. And uh, <laughs> on the Opry, if I pick a song that I'm not really sure of, I'll tape the lyrics right on the top of my guitar. Really? <laughs> and then you'll see me looking down like this. You know, I'm going, oh. I have posted quite a few of the performances on YouTube that I've done on the oh, opera. Oh. So if people want to go there, just mm-hmm. uh, type in uh, Neil Bogus under YouTube, and you'll find uh, two of them. I've got uh, 14 more appearances that they've given me. I have to get permission to, to post them, so when I get mm. back home, I'll do right. that. And I love it. I, 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 I'm, I don't classify myself as a musician. Why? I play guitar well enough to get by. Okay. But I'm, I'm more of an entertainer. I, I love making people laugh. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you before you do into that, I, I got a <laughs> neat thing yesterday when I was, uh, the thing I was talking to you about where I was sitting around with all the folks uh, visiting. Yeah. One of the gals over there, uh, I, I remember her from my old days here in Millbank, and she says, will you please do it for me? And I said, what are you talking about? She says, you know, you know. She says, I listen to you on the radio all the time. Come on, please do it. And I said, all right, I'll do it. I said, is it the part where I say, don't go away, I'll be right back. She says, no, 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 you know, do it. I said, okay. You're in tune to 1510 KMSD, Millbank, South Dakota. Oh, she goes, I love how you change your voice. (laughs) Did you do that? Did you work at KMSD ever? Yeah, I had a talk show there for on and off for 15 years. <laughs> what did that consist of? Uh, Paul Zahn and I did yeah. a morning show for many years as a team. Oh, I didn't know you did. Yep. And then uh, 
I would quit and come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I must have been there on and off. Oh, that's why I say on and off. The last time I was there, I was the news director for three years, and I did uh, the Millbank Today show by myself as a solo. So is that the show that has kind of um, adapted to be, or like, is that their morning 9 mm-hmm. o'clock show now? I think so. Okay. I did it 9 to 10, and then yeah, I would uh, collect okay. the news from 10 to noon, and then we did a live news uh, time, you know, in that. And then I was also the voice at the theater if you called into the movie hotline. Oh, and I would, right. Let's see, how did that go? I, I can repeat these things after all those years. Uh, thank you for calling the movie hotline. Oh, no. Thank you for calling the mill theaters. And I forgot how it went. <laughs> I could do that a hundred times. Uh, here's what's showing tonight at the mill theaters in Millbank, South Dakota. Showing tonight in Mill One. It is blah, 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 blah. Showing in Mill Two, you know. We'll see you at the movies. Awesome. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> my kids say it doesn't even sound like you, and I said, "Well, well, that's kind of the the yeah. goal in a weird way, isn't yeah. it?" Oh, this is the interest. Yeah. This is from March twenty seven. <laughs> the train whistle. How uh? That's close. How many enough. people are in the audience? So if you're do a, a train song. Six hundred and fifty. Has somebody in prison? But I got a for six-piece band behind. Oh, and they're watching a train that are go by. Johnny awesome. Cash had one they're out. Awesome. Let's do a little bit of Folsom Prison Blues. Yeah, let's do that. Now, when you do this, could you uh, could you conduct us? <laughs> when you perform these songs live, is there any um, oh, like you licensing you guys it. have to deal with, or does the, does okay. the event you all know, cover that? The, the event covers everything. Okay, so and I'm sure they pay a lot I'm to sure, BMI. Yeah. And the, right, is it BMI? ASCAP or BMI? Something like that. I love doing this. This one I happen to be performing as the conductor because on the train they call me Conductor Neil. I'm not <laughs> I hear the train coming. It's rolled around the bend. I'd see me sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison. Time keeps dragging on. All that train keeps rolling. I'm down to San that was a steel guitar, wasn't it? Yep. When I was just a young, my mama told me, son, always be a good boy. Don't ever play with guns. But I shot a man in Weirsdale just to watch him die. All oh, that train keeps rolling. I hang my head and I cry. Pick it out there, Luther. And this is the house band that is there every day. That would be a wonderful gig. <laughs> oh, man, I'll tell you. And they go from classic country to modern country mm-hmm. to rhythm and blues to 1950s. Uh, it's incredible. They're the, probably the most talented bunch of people that I've ever worked with. We don't practice. I mean, you walk up there and you do the song. Sometimes we started in the wrong key, and I go over and I go, well, I sang that way in 1979, but it doesn't work that way now. So I literally have not learned a new song since then. <laughs> Why bother? <laughs> you got all these other ones that you can do. Yeah. Now, this video on uh, your YouTube channel, Mr. Boggy69, um, is produced 
Did you, is, did you do this? I did. With all the train footage and... Oh, no, the, the guys at the Opry do that for me. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, they're, they're, I'm telling you, it is the nicest bunch of people I've ever worked with. I had uh, surgery uh, about a month ago for some skin cancer. And every one of these guys, they're texting me saying, are you okay? You know, are, is everything all right? I, yesterday, I'm, they knew I was up here on vacation, and uh, the drummer sent me a text and said, haven't heard anything from you. Are you all right? I wrote back and said, well, I don't have service up here. <laughs> and being Florida guys, you know, they yeah. go, oh, a lot of them live in, uh, have lived in Nashville, too. So uh, he goes back, oh, I never thought about that. <laughs> it's it's my home away from home. Yeah. And I, I really do like it. I stopped That's doing awesome. Yeah, that, that, uh, the, the steel player on that one that is... Uh, from uh, Iowa, really? Yeah, super guy. I got I got fourteen more of those to put up. That's fantastic. So I I, I hope people don't go oh jeepers you know what a don't bonehead, but it's <laughs> I'm reliving what happened from 1965 to 1979. That is cool. And I have an announcement to make nope. today for you. Your attention, please. We are. Uh, well, we've been bringing the band. The band's been together for fifty years, so next year is our fiftieth anniversary. And, and your band is is some is family, correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It, it it it's always been my brother and I, but mm-hmm. we added various family members. And when we were doing our big shows, uh, the county fairs and the state fairs and all that, we were all family. It was brothers and sisters and our spouses. Okay. On the road and everything that that creates. But I'm telling you, we had a ball. Um, we were there's there's special things that uh let's see how do i say some of this stuff i was there the night uh tommy cash is johnny cash's brother and i've saw this you know this old thing about uh the show must go on and Mm -hmm. all that uh we were there the night that right before the show tommy cash's wife called him up and said you know what i've had it we're getting a divorce and so Bless his heart, Tommy's back there crying and everything else. And they announce him, and he walks out there like the pro he He's is. Turned on, out there. Yep. really. And I've, I've, I'm happened to some of these people we stay, stay in touch with mm-hmm. and see later. To have talked to him since then. Very gracious man. He goes, yeah, I remember that night. You know that type of thing. Uh, made a lot of friends in this industry. Anyway, got carried yeah, away. Yeah, sorry. Announcement time. Yeah. <laughs> Normally we would come up here and play over Labor Day weekend, but uh, this year. Uh, we, for a variety of reasons, we, we we can't do it. So we are going to come back next April and and next uh, Labor Day too, and hopefully we're going to book something in Watertown and then also book something here in Millbank. Most of the stuff we do now is what I would call we put on shows. Mm-hmm. Terry and I were entertainers. We played a lot of dances, but we found that it's. We like the shows because you don't have to put up with a lot of stuff. <laughs> we won't tell you what that was. But I, I'm very pleased to tell you that I got a call from the uh, South Dakota Country Music Hall of Fame in uh, Lenox, and they asked if uh, we would do a show at the State Fair. And I said yes. Is that in August? It is September the September. 2nd. Okay. This is in 2018? This coming, what, four weeks away? Yep. Oh. It's not the whole band mm-hmm. because there wasn't time to, as she said, that there's not enough time to set up the whole band. Okay. So it's myself and my wife going to be on the stage. We're going to be at the Dakota Land stage for a 45-minute show. 
that well, the show is an hour and a half. But we we're closing the show. The last forty five minutes is us, and uh, we're, I'm very excited about it. Show starts at six o'clock, runs till seven thirty, and uh, it's pretty exciting. Awesome. Of all the places I played and all the fairs I went, I never once played the South Dakota State Fair. So this is, it isn't the grandstand. I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> but uh, just to be on the Dakota Land stage cool. is exciting. That's and wonderful. I, I yeah. called her this morning and I said, is it okay if I tell people? And she said, oh, absolutely. The opening act is from, uh, I shouldn't say opening act, but she's opening before us, is a gal. And her name is Kim Plender. And she's from West River. And she is awesome really? so we're gonna we're gonna give you uh if you're gonna be down the fair that weekend please come on say hi to us and all that and i brought a picture for you to put on your website for us perfect so that's anyway, great the music continues and then i got a call this last week from some people who said well we uh we don't have our uh general manager of the railroad anymore he's not here do you want to be the <laughs> general manager and where I, uh, in Florida. Uh-huh. So I'm taking, they, they created a railroad about a year and a half ago, a brand new one, and it's 25 miles from my house. So I said, yep. So I'm going back there. So to this is your general. new retirement. Nice. My new retirement. Yeah. <laughs> I do love trains, but I really love music. So, uh, I'll help them. You know, I didn't promise them forever. Yeah. But, and then, as you know, I'm involved in other things here in the Millbank <laughs> right. area, too. So That's fantastic. I, I got to find a way, though, that it's not 1,700 miles. By the way, it's from my house to uh, uh, Millbank is 1,752 miles. Whew, now, are you, uh, are you a uh, just-keep-going kind of traveler, or do you not like to be in the car that long? I stop every two hours. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Get out, stretch my legs. I had my grandson with me. And he drove up. He can't drive, but he. I said, do you want to ride with me? And he did, and he was great. He, he talked all the way up and all the way back and <laughs> was fantastic. Um, I found that the things that I'm interested in, mm -hmm. he doesn't care about. <laughs> you know, we, uh, we were going through Memphis. Yeah. And I said, would you like me to drive you by where Elvis Presley lived? And no. Who's Elvis? Exactly. Oh, <laughs> help me. The the one thing that he was really wanted to see was the arch in St. Louis. Really? And we went through St. Louis at 10 o'clock at night, oh, and we didn't get to see the arch. Bummer. Um, but I, I took him, as you and I were talking before, I took him through some of the places where they took me through uh, Mississippi mm -hmm. and Alabama, and, and he was found that interesting. Folks, if you have not went back to see what really the old, old 1950s, 1940s South was, just go down to Southern <laughs> It's still Missouri. there. It's still there. Wow. And, and it makes you, I, I'm not, you know, this is not a political statement. I don't mean that at all. I'm telling you, it's exactly the same way I remember it when I was there in the early 1960s. Wow. It didn't change. And uh, it, it, I don't know why. Okay, so thinking of going back and things being changed, uh, you've been gone for nearly 20 years. Let's talk Millbank. Okay. How has it changed? In some ways, not much. Okay. In some ways, it's uh, when I get out, it's this. I, I told the guy yesterday, I said, the only thing I really noticed is that all the people that I knew here got a lot older. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in some ways, not not very much. 
Um, my visits here are very superficial because I'm in here for three or four days and then mm-hmm. I'm out. There's things that I've noticed that I think are really good, positive steps. Um, I went to school in uh, the old high school, which yep. is now a business. I think there's businesses in it and all that. That is a very difficult question to ask. Um, there isn't as many trees in Millbank, but you had some hailstorms that wiped out a lot of the trees. I'm very pleased with what I see on Main Street. Now, it doesn't have, when I moved back here in 79, we still had Sears, Montgomery Wards, JC. It, it was the Hennies. Commerce District. Yep. And then from 79 until 99, mm-hmm. I saw it all drop out. Uh, Pennies left, Wards left, you know, all those. But they left everywhere. It right. wasn't a Millbank right. thing that it left. But I come here, and there is not many empty buildings on Main Street. And mm-hmm. I have no fear that the empty buildings uh, will be filled with something at some point. Um, I think I think you got a great thing with all the small little gift shops and thrift stores and things like that. I love the ice cream places, uh, Lewis Drug, all that. I, I think you're on to something. I think the new hotel is going to add yeah, a lot. A lot, absolutely. Uh, and you're going to have four hotels in town. And I've had some folks say to me, well, Millbank can't support four. Four. Uh, yes, they can. Yes, you can. Uh, when I came here, we had one theater screen plus the drive-in. And I know there was people who said to me, you're nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I came off of, off of the road from music and one day on my way to Montreal, stopped Montreal, Canada, stopped to pay Mr. DeFay my insurance money. And I jokingly said to him, theater for sale, Jim. And Jim looked at me and said, for a price, anything is for sale, Neil. On our way back, we bought the theater. Wow. <laughs> Went on vacation, came back. So, um, you know, yeah, Milbank's on the right track. You got, you're, you're ahead of a lot of communities. In Florida, you would be maybe not surprised of the downtowns. Many of them are gone. Really? It's just empty building after empty building after empty building. Yeah. It, is that a, um, is it cultural down there, you think? Well, yeah, I think that's part of it. And the people move, uh, there's a lot of seniors moving to Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, I, I think you've heard of the villages. Yep. And there's a lot of Millbank people who live in the villages. So it's, when I'm singing, it's great because I'll holler, is there anybody from South Dakota? And they'll, really? And I've had Millbank people there wow. talking to us. Um, the power, uh, we're losing our malls. There's mm-hmm. no, very few malls left in Florida, too. Having said that, the malls are outside. Right. They just don't put a roof on it. Mm-hmm. You still got pennies in all the stores. They're mm-hmm. just outside. I think it's changed. Uh, obviously, online shopping has really hurt maybe small towns uh, more than big towns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Walmarts of the world, I, I saw Walmart come into Montevideo, who had a fantastic downtown. And I, I'm not trying to make anybody mad yeah. at me. I'm just telling you what I saw. This was before I left. Walmart came into town, the downtown disappeared. Mm-hmm. It just did. Um, of course, uh, online shopping probably is hurting Walmart. Well, that, that's why they compete with Amazon now. Yeah. Like with an online yep. system. I didn't want to say Amazon. I buy things from Amazon. <laughs> well, I do. Well, it's delivered right to my door. Yeah. If I don't like it, I send it back. Yeah. It's, it, it's that thing we actually had uh, yesterday. Today's the 14th of... Uh, july yesterday 
Friday the thirteenth, uh, I had one of the chamber directors in here, and we we talked. You know, it's, it's mainly about her, but we ended up talking about you know some of the the realities of small town, the challenges. Yeah, and you know the this idea that you know we we potentially demonize people for going out of town to buy things or for using online options when the reality is a lot of people can't afford not to especially in a smaller community when when the same exact product might be three four times more expensive locally it's really difficult to be upset when a family doesn't buy it local and so, you know, what are those things that make it worth spending that much more locally? And I absolutely get it. And we talked yesterday. I understand the idea of buying volume. I mean, these big stores, they buy thousands of one item where a local guy maybe can buy five That's or right. two. And so you don't even have the, the remote possibility of buying power. Yep. Um, so what do you do? You have to create something. You have to create, whether it's customer service, whether it's an, a value add product, something where they do it for you or they, they make it a more enjoyable experience. Uh, I just don't think that as a, as a Millbank community, we can be mad. And, and it's, it's easy to, from the, uh, from the business perspective, to be upset when people go out. Oh, well, they're not buying from me. Well, why not? Let's look at that issue. If they're not buying from you because it's five times cheaper to go somewhere else, well, that's a reality you can't be mad about. The one thing that the local merchant has over Amazon and any online thing and if you're not doing this one thing, you're missing out. Service. Yeah. And that is missing when I walk into a Kmart, a Walmart, yeah. uh, a Target store, because I don't get that one-on-one service. And mm-hmm. I do, re- I'm one person that will walk out and go, my man, he took care of me right yeah. away. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Before we go, uh, in answer to your rest of your question, let me tell you what I see that are really fantastic things about Millbank. Number one, Lake Farley, a hidden treasure. Went out there, the water's gorgeous. People, last night we drove out there, my mom and I, and uh, people are swimming in there. Uh, there Kayaks were people, out there, yeah. Yeah, people eating and under the picnic shelter. Tommy's popcorn was open. Yep, Tommy's popcorn was open. Um, you will not see people eating under picnic shelters in florida very much it's too blue and hot (laughs) but once in a while you do Mm -hmm. but it was here i drove by the millbank insurance building what a neat structure my family sodded that entire property yeah we were in the sodding business the mill what a what an attraction I don't know. I can't tell you when it's open yeah who knows (laughs) but it should be more open than when it is yeah um that's just my opinion. You can get mad at me. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> the new hotel's an asset. All the hotels are an asset. The downtown is an asset. The school system is an asset. There are so many things here that when, when somebody starts talking to you, and, and you probably get it more than I ever do, is they start complaining about things. Mm-hmm. That's natural <laughs> for sure. people to do. Yeah. There's a lot of great things going on. I mean, I've talked to you already in, in, you know, about some of the things I've thought about yeah. doing here in Millbank. And, uh, and somebody will say, well, why would you do something from when you live 1,700 miles away? I do it because I want to. Well, there it is, yeah. I want to. I'm not ever going to quit working. I'm not going to sit mm-hmm. in my chair. 
uh, Big Stone Lake. I've been staying at my brother's cabin out there all week long. What a treasure that is. Uh, your history here. Yeah. The POW camp. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, uh, I'm, I'm working on another uh, web page on just the Millbank Train Festival. Really? Because um, I, 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 I took pictures. I got boxes of pictures. I got videos that I didn't even know I had um, that I hope people will find of interest. Um, unfortunately, now I took another railroad job, but you know, <laughs> so that'll have to wait. But anyway, I want to thank you. Absolutely. I, yeah. I would like to tell people again, September 2nd, come out. Jenny and I are playing on the Dakota Land stage at the State Fair. It's in Huron, South it, Dakota. Yep. And uh, if you're out for a trip sometime, go visit the South Dakota Country Music Hall of Fame in Lenox, South Dakota. Uh, they're really coming together down there. It's a neat experience. And I am reliving my childhood uh, by getting on that stage and entertaining. So <laughs> That's great. Come and uh, see us on, uh, on Facebook, you can find Neil, uh, Neil Bogus. Uh, on the YouTube, uh, follow his antics and such. <laughs> Mr. Boggy69 Yep, on YouTube. Um, or just type in Neil Boggus. It'll show up. B-A-G-A-U-S. Yep. You know what? I'm having fun. Awesome. I've, well, ha- I've had a couple of cancer scares. I'm not going to lie to you. But you know what? Life goes on. And you're here. And I'm here. I'm breathing. Excellent. And on I'm on your fun. own, even. <laughs> so far. That's, I, I, years ago, I worked with an old... I was a janitor years ago. And uh, I worked with an old guy. And every every morning... How's it going? How are you doing? Well, I'm breathing on my own today. Yeah. All right. That's a step. Well, I want to thank you, Craig, because I think what you're doing here is very, very important. Thanks for asking me in to talk about it. I, I would love to come back anytime. Absolutely. And I think it'd be kind of fun when my brother would come along too, because he helped me start the band. Oh, that'd be great. And, and, and actually bring a guitar. We'll bring We'll bring the instruments. Well, well let's, okay. Would it, is, does he live up in this area? He lives in St. Paul. Okay. Now, when you guys are here in September, possibly, what are the odds that we we'll see? Work? So, okay, well, let, let, let's talk because that could be really fun. It'd be cool to do a I, little. I would like that uh, a little live something. We even have. My family was crazy about saving <laughs> things. I have some of the original recordings of the radio show we did on KDIO. Oh, send them to me. I'll have to send That's them to great. Don Egger too. They're they're, <laughs> they're neat. They're we, we transferred great. them off of uh, tape and uh, onto. CDs. Okay, so you have them d- digital at some level. Yeah. Wonderful. That's so cool. <laughs> it's weird. Well, awesome. Um, This is the interview, this show that we do where we pull in people that are connected to Millblank at some level and just see who they are. Um, Neil was on a few episodes ago with the other guys talking specifically about Train Festival, so if you're interested in that, you can go back and listen to that show. Uh, otherwise, um, I'm really well, grateful thank- for you. Thank you very much. I, I enjoy it. It brings this back a lot so of fun. memories, and you bring it out with your questions, so I appreciate that. Absolutely. This is the interview on the Y Millblank Podcast Network. I'm Craig Weinberg. Thanks for uh, taking the time to listen to this show again and check Neil out. If you see him on the street, yell at him. I mean, say hi to him. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Uh, we are on iTunes, the Apple Podcast Store. Um, the Google Play Store, if you're interested, whymillbank.com. There's a podcast button. You can click on all the shows that originate out of this studio. We currently have three. Uh, we're working on uh, another kind of a morning show, uh, morning zoo concept that'll be fun with some high school kids. Uh, that'll be pretty neat. So anyway, thanks for listening. Have an absolutely fantastic day. Uh, and always remember um, that Millbank matters. Thanks.
Have you ever thought of voiceover? If I had to do it over again, yes, definitely.